Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of Germany, the show of trade, the show of Pennsylvania, and other fine whiskey-related topics. Today's guest is the amazing Lucas Felak of Geraldine's Austin, and I think you guys will hear a great announcement from Lucas concerning his career and future opportunities here very shortly within the next few weeks. But this is the second conversation with a fine mind that will be presenting at this year's San Antonio Cocktail Conference. Lucas will be presenting a class called Cocktail Do-It-Yourself Mixologist Tips of the Trade on January 14th at 11.30 a.m. at the St. Anthony Hotel Starlight Suite. Brief description of the course, local mixologists will show you how they perform easy DIY technique, craft cocktails, glass smoking, quick fire infusion, stirring versus shaking, We'll cover lots of tricks of the trade, and Lucas and I covered a lot of different topics in this chat, and one thing is very, very abundantly clear. Lucas is a good guy, but he loves whiskey. We talk about some of the history. I think Michter's comes up in the conversation, the age, Hirsch, lots of great stuff. So I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Lucas Felak. bar manager the, the bar owner you know I yeah, grew yeah. up and, and I've worked I've been I've been in the industry now for just over 10 years uh, so um, you know it's been it's you know it's been a lot of, of growing up in that time yeah how uh, old are you now 27 oh dude so you've been doing it I mean you've already reached a level of maturity that most people haven't been able to get well, I'm, I'm yeah. trying. I'm yeah. definitely, I'm def- I wouldn't go that far. It's a be- I think it's a beard, probably. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it helps. It helps. But yeah, no, I started, I mean, I started bartending much younger than than anyone that I know, uh, at least in the people that I consider peers and colleagues. And stuff. Yeah. so, um, you know, I've seen a lot of that and I don't, um, I don't know. I, I really doubt that I will be behind the bar forever, or at least be on this side of things. I worked uh, as a liquor rep for... Southern Wine and Spirits, right out of college. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. Um, it was actually. It was. It, I got hired before I graduated. It. It just kind of fell into my lap. Yeah. Um, been bartending in in town and it, back in Pittsburgh, and um, you know, it was like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? And I, you know, I was graduating from the University of Pittsburgh with an economics degree, yeah. and I'd. And you did. And you did rap with the degree, so you. You're a degree holder, is that yes. fair? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, a I lot actually, of us go s- s- part of the distance, yeah. but never really yeah. like no, put a ring on it. You know. No, I have uh, I have two parents that I don't think would have uh, would have been very pleased with me if I had not uh, finished off. <laughs> I would have had I would have had some very tough conversations about that. But no, I I ended up getting a um, I got two I got or I got uh, two focuses rather I got uh, economics and uh, German. Yeah. Oh um, shit! Really? Yeah. So okay, yeah. all right. Lot, so lot to talk about. I so normally, man. There's always this narrative. I'm trying. I'm just so controlling in these goddamn chats, <laughs> right? But so all right. So and going back to the career piece, though. Yeah. 
10 years behind the bar yeah. distributing right like where does that end up for you and you're not even 30 yet right well and that's kind of i think that's kind of the, the just kind of the big thing that's on my mind is just okay you know i'm i'm 27 i have i have two and a half years or so until until i reach that big 3 and right. i'm not I'm not saying that it's a scary kind of a thing but it's just like okay where do I want to be when I'm 30? And it's what a, do it's I a level be? set, right? Yeah. yeah, and and I was on I was on a very I was on a very standard kind of corporate world path right out of college. You know, uh, working as a rep right out of that. I was into it a little bit younger than most people. I think get into it, which was yeah. really cool because um, it gave me a chance to really get a view of of kind of what that industry was like from that side, and that's ultimately really helped me on the bartending side sure. and, and in management and everything like that. But um, I left it uh, because I didn't want to be the guy whose next job was uh, answering emails and managing people. You know, I like being a part of the the, the conversations and yeah, yeah, and kind of the push. And um, it, it's a weird dynamic for anyone who's been in on the repping side is that there's really there's two paths, and I don't think that most bartenders realize that or really right. understand it as well as as well as I. I think they should if they're looking at making that career switch over. Right, right. Is that um, on the one side, on the sales side, the distributor side, yeah. it is all about numbers. It's all oh, about sure. putting bottles on bars. Quantitative, yeah, right? All, very much so. It's very, the, the you know, uh, the numbers guy in me, the, the guy that got, you know, the economics degree, that, that part of me is like, okay, I understand this. I yeah. get filling these holes. I get, you know, all of this quantitative stuff and, and really understanding that. But at the end of it, there's really not a whole lot of um, longevity in the things that you're actually, you know, putting out on the bar and selling to people. It's right. really just about, you know, filling quarter by quarter. Of, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's the newest fire drill? You know, who's coming into town? Who do I have to impress? You know, great. We just picked up this new craft brand and they're coming to Pittsburgh because right. they're really excited or they're coming to Austin. So I have to go to every single one of my customers that even likes me just a little bit and try and get this bottle even just on their back bar, right. even if it's just a promise that I'll come and pick it up the next day Absolutely. and give them something something they like. So this begs the question, yeah. okay? Geraldine's is great. Sure. Vibe is cool, beautiful view, great pool. Cocktails are exceptional. Hopefully Jen's doing better. Yeah. Sounds like Jen's doing good. Yeah, I know. We just, uh, new information. She She's she's out. She's uh, up and walking around from everything that I've heard. Good. And, and so she's, she's right on that... Uh, Road to recovery, which we're very, very thankful. Yeah, you know, great. I mean, you had her on the show. Great person. Absolutely. Very, very enlivening. It's great. Very, very good much to so. work to, for. Totally, totally a great person to work great. for. Great, which is, is wonderful. I mean, that, that speaks her staff's the same way. So, so far, so let's let's see how it goes. Yeah. So far, Lucas, her staff's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so you talk about the piece, the fast fashion of working. As a distributor, right? Mm -hmm. We've got this new brand. Maybe they pumped some money in. I don't really know. The marketing dollars. Working, and, and this is, and I'm not asking you to disparage any of that, but the reality of working for Kempton is that there are some agreements. Oh, for sure. There are for some sure. arrangements. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. do you feel behind the bar there where you have probably less flexibility with the brands? Does it change your paradigm on it at all that when people come in and they're like they want to just buy the bar ultimately um you know i think i think what that was maybe a fear kind of going in and those were conversations that i had with with everyone involved and you know i've known a lot of people in the kimpton family um for years uh mike ryan has been someone that i've known yeah. uh, and he's a you know he's a big guy in, in kimpton's bar family he's very very high up there so i've 
I've had independent conversations with him um, even before I'd moved to Austin and and knew about this this project that that was coming into town. But um, you know, I don't that Kimpton is really good about making sure that um, their program integrity is very much kept in place. Yeah, we yeah. do we do definitely have um, some agreements uh, that come down through the pike on um, you know, hey, we'd like you to feature this on your menu. Hey, we'd like to have this for you. Right. Um, but usually um, the agreements stop there. Um, okay. You know, you can make whatever you want. You can put it on your menu in pretty much any way that you want. And that was really important to me. You know, sure. if, if someone was going to come and pop in and say, hey, you know, we have this new spirit. We have a lot of money behind it. It's, you know, maybe something uh, not a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really feel even though that this isn't a typical old-fashioned style base spirit, right. that's the market that we're going. So we're going to pay Kimpton to, to do that. And that's, that has never happened that's um, in any, any conversations that I've ever had, and it's never come down the pike that I know of yeah. saying, we have to do it this way. So it's about good ingredients, yeah, very good much flavors, so. yeah. and giving you yeah. guys at least some creative. No, absolutely. And, and generally how our menu, how our menu build works and, and what's been really great, you know, just because we have such a large team is... Um, a couple months ahead of time, uh, Jen sends out an email and just says, these are the things that we have to have on the next menu. Yeah. Um, be aware of them. Use, you know, build the ideas around this kind of stuff. Right, right. And then we'll meet back up in a couple weeks uh, when we do a bar meeting. And, you know, people will put forward ideas. You know, we'll work on some stuff. You know, we'll do some collaborations with some bartenders just on ourselves. And and then also, you know, some direct collaboration with Jen. Or, yeah. You know, one of us will get stuck and we'll, you know, go to... Go to Jen and be like, hey. it's like an episode of Chopped in it. Yeah, it's good. It's well, and it's 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 a really great creative space, especially um, for something as large as what Kimpton is, because yeah. it it gives a little bit more focus. Um, where you know it's just like okay, it's this, uh, and then we're gonna build on top of that. So yeah. that works really well for us, especially because um, we're such a large group. Right. Uh, so generally, it just kind of gets picked out and and. Uh, you know, it may be, hey, I have a really great idea for a bourbon cocktail, so I'm going to work with with the bourbon that we have that right. we have on the list. Or that's not so bad, yeah, yeah. Or you know, hey, I really am not great at working with um, certain types of cordials, sure. so I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to say, okay, we have to have this cordial on this menu. I'm not great with this. I don't, yeah. you know, whether it may be something spicy or something sweet or something bitter. It's like these aren't cocktails that I generally build on so this is going to be my project where i'm going to kind of pull those in makes a lot of sense i I, I used the analogy the other day like you don't want to do squats because you're not good enough right so do some squats yeah right and then you'll get better and then you feel stronger and you would have built a much tougher portfolio of skills which is which is good so is it safe to assume you're a pennsylvania guy i know we're talking pittsburgh is that where you grew up no no so i was uh i was born uh in lancaster county okay uh, about uh, an hour or so outside of Philadelphia uh, to um, both my parents live there still. Um, I have some, some of my siblings that live there as well, but uh, I lived, lived there pretty much my entire life. I moved, you know, a couple times when I was a kid, but it was always like a mile or two away from sure. the house that I was at. So I was always in the same school district or, uh, or something. You know. What was the city proper? Uh, Ephrata. It's, it's okay. right along, uh, it's actually right along the, the PA Turnpike. Okay. Um, yeah. Like the house that I remember most, as a childhood, actually, my back porch overlooked the turnpike. So, oh, you know, it wow. was just always just kind of there. But it's, you know, Lancaster is um, the middle of Amish farm country. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. I've it's, been there it's before, gorgeous. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it was a fantastic place to grow up. It really was. So, 
Um, what did you? What do your folks? What does one do to make a living in Lancaster? Well, uh, my dad actually owns a lumber company. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he's he's been in the the, the lumber business for um, a long time. Uh, my entire life. Um, he graduated from Penn State um, with a degree in forestry. No shit. Uh, yeah, which you know you wouldn't think that you know <laughs> it's one of those weird degrees yeah. that you're like, wait a second, okay, so they you can go, you can go right, yeah. Well. And apparently, Penn State actually has one of the best like forestry schools in the country that's it's a, just that's yeah, amazing, it's yeah. Something, it's 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 something very very odd um that just penn state has but my dad uh my dad worked uh for a very large lumber company for the majority of my life and then um 2008 happened yeah uh you know big economic downturn and and uh he was in a position uh with that company that they ended up uh you know downsizing and he he took an opportunity and went and uh took over uh, general managership of a, of a much smaller uh, lumber company and then yeah. eventually uh, with his partner bought it oh, killer. Um, a few years later. So um, Does that does that mean as a kid that you're out there chopping and oh, smelling man. and yeah. all of it? Well, not chopping and selling. I mean, I definitely I definitely remember going to the mill when I was a kid and I um, I, I was a semi-farm kid. Yeah. Um, we we never lived like really on a, an aggressive farm, but I you know, I had sheep growing up. I had chickens growing no up. Shit. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, we had you know we had a, a garden that was aggressive by any city you know standards. Yeah. You know that kind of stuff. But so uh, you, so you, because I know you're a big fan of whiskey, and I know you're a fan of spirits. Which it, it's a nice analogy. It's a nice mm-hmm. parallel. It's like being connected to the earth. Yeah, the smells, the colors, and actually taking care of these animals. Yeah, no, there. for sure. Well, and I didn't even realize. You know, as a Pennsylvanian, everyone. You know. I think when I started to get into whiskey, you talk about Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania rye, Monongahela rye, you know, that's a subject that's actually very near and dear to my heart. And then I found out later um, when I was really started to get into some more specifics on just studying whiskey and understanding it, that um, I lived pretty much my entire life uh, 15 minutes away from the uh, Schaeferstown distillery, which is where... The A. H. Hirsch. No, oh yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, where that yes. was made, I guess. Yes. And- yeah, yeah. I uh, so I grew up and I I remember this the distillery as a as a younger man. Really. Um, but I thought it was a feed mill because that's pretty <laughs> just much a bunch what of stuff, right? Like. like a bunch of yeah, mills it and looks yeah. like it looks exactly like any other feed mill kind of thing. And, and you know, when you think about it. That's pretty much what a distillery is sure. from the outside. It's you there's keep trucks a bunch of grain. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. Trucks coming in with grain. There's a big giant silo. There's yeah. augers. There's people walking around and coveralls and whatnot. So, yeah. um, I I didn't realize it until until way later. Uh, and and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is right here. And I jumped in the car and I I was you know I was home for Thanksgiving or, or Christmas or something. And I was telling my parents, I was like, do you know where this is? You have no idea. Because neither yeah. of my parents are drinkers, um, no, not like not at all. I mean, my dad will have a beer every once in a while. He right. he he loves um, a good Bud Light Lime when he's when he's uh, on the <laughs> on the lawnmower. Yeah. You know, my mom will will say notoriously that anytime she has more than one glass of champagne, her ears get hot and she just can't do it. So, <laughs> um, you know, they're they're just not big drinkers. Yeah. They 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 never really were. Um, so, but you know, I'm telling about this and I'm getting you know all glowy eyes, and they're probably I'm, like. Cool. Oh, cool. But you know, cool, they, yeah. they love local history and, and weird stuff like that. So they came they came up with me and, and we I snuck onto the property. It's, yeah. there's nothing there left anymore. It's 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 really sad. Um uh and I, I'd looked up some other stuff and they had 
about a year earlier, they had just taken away the last few bits of one of the last remaining Rick houses that it had oh, collapsed. Wow. And it was like, oh, man. I mean, I, I was making no money as a bartender during college and paying all my loans. But, I mean, I would have paid somehow some convinced my dad right? to be yeah. like, Dad, you need to buy this wood. Yeah. Like, you need to buy it. You need to put it just on a smell, truck. Dad, smell the wood. Just, it's seriously. <laughs> seriously just get the Because, you know, then you'd be sitting on, you know, think about how many bars in Philadelphia oh, or, 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 you know, New York or anywhere else. Yeah. Be like, listen, these are the last remaining, like, beams yeah. from. You from make these. a bar top from it. Like, come on. Quarter of a mil. Yeah, right there. so cool. So cool. Um, but well, so, uh, so, so being the, the kid, so having kind of the ag- agrarian upbringing you're on a farm your dad's working with raw materials you get the smells you're kind of around it like in high school and all of that was did, was that the path that you wanted to follow or are you thinking something no else? well actually i had no idea um well i had a, i had you know i wanted to uh growing up i wanted to go to penn state and i wanted to be, get an engineering degree um Man. i have a lot of family that did that you know that was what kind of engineering uh i wanted to do mechanical, mechanical um uh, but then as I got older and started to to kind of realize that I had um, more of a salesman in me, I, I started switching over and uh, I uh, I wanted to do industrial. Okay. Uh, so actually when I enrolled at Pitt, um, I decided I was actually, I was I was going for industrial engineering okay. and, then, and then switched over. Yeah. Economics, industrial engineering, they're not, they're not, not so, so different. No, well, it's no, no. more technical though. It's yeah, just... a little bit more. Yeah. But um, so I thought that for a long time and... Uh, I started to get a little lost, I'd say. You know, I'm I'm the fourth of five. I have three older sisters and, uh, and oh, a little man. brother. Um, and uh, I just, you know, being the fourth, I was, you know, the oldest boy. So it was a new kind of experience for my parents in that way. And then, you know, not being able to really just follow my sister's footsteps because they were doing different things and different activities. That, so it totally varied or was it a similar industry for them, your sister's? Uh, no, my sisters are, my sisters do completely all over the place. Oh yeah. No. Um, uh, one of them's an occupational therapist. The other one's, uh, doing her postdoc at the university of Colorado. And, uh, uh, I do have a sister who does, uh, some language stuff. Actually, she, uh, she married, uh, she married a Canadian. They live in Ottawa uh, Man, right now. The but, communication uh, must be so slow between them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh-huh, I love Canada. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. We give him, we, we give him no no end good to, to right. crap no as long as crap, someone's but. giving him shit then i'm fine with yeah, yeah yeah no it definitely happens it, it definitely happens but um i uh i was in a place where i wasn't really sure what i was gonna do and um i had an opportunity to move to germany uh wow. for my junior year of high school so i um essentially skipped my junior year of high school i got a uh a grant uh from the u.s state department that they do in in conjunction with uh uh, the German Bundestag. Uh-huh. So I moved to Europe uh, in the summer of 2006. About how old were you then? I was 16. So wow. just just turned 16. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, no, 17. Yeah, just turned 17. Sorry, excuse me. Because um, I had been driving all, you know, sure, all sure. of that spring and all of that summer. And, and that was that was this really exciting time because I had found out that I was going to be going abroad and I was kind of high on life. And, and you talked about studying German. At this point, were you kind of high school, high school kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very little. So why, why German? Was your um, folks well, it was so it ended up actually just being where I got a scholarship to. I see. Um, okay. You know, I growing up, I'd always loved England. Um, uh, I, you know, had read a lot of English literature and, yeah. and just kind of been surrounded in that. And uh, 
And then my sister, uh, two years before I did, went on a very similar scholarship that I did, and she went to Germany, and I saw how much fun she had, and I was amazing. I was kind of feeling lost, and it was like, okay, well, what I do, and you know, junior year of high school, I feel like is, you know, a pretty big year for everyone yeah. when they're when they're in that spot in time because oh, yeah. it's you know SATs are that year and high school re- relationships. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, man. homecoming, yeah, prom. That's right. You know, you're. <laughs> You're, you know, captain of the football team or, or, you know, something like that. You can almost buy cigarettes. Almost. so close. You start to drive, you usually get your first job, and it's like, all right, I'm top of the world. And I just, I I just felt, I just felt like I didn't belong in kind of some aspect. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know what it was. Maybe teenage angst, who who knows? But, uh, you know, I had, I had a lot of fun growing up, but this opportunity came down and it was like, you know what? I'm, I'm totally doing this. So, um, I went on a school trip, uh abroad uh that earlier that summer um just as like a three-week exchange kind of thing yeah. and we actually ended up being there um while the world cup was in germany that summer oh wow so okay. yeah so we flew in we flew in right after the opening game and then we're there the entire length of the tournament and and uh got to be in all of that fervor and energy and, yeah um just really cool stuff drinking culture the, oh the man well, and this is this is where it started that's you know honestly it, it is uh, this okay. is where it started so I, I went I went to I went to a high school for for a year and um, I actually that's where I got my first bar gig. Mm. Um, so I I there was an Irish pub uh, right across the street from my high school that I went to while I was there and you know at sixteen you were allowed to drink so I was mm. drinking with with my schoolmates and and you know living up life in a in a much different way and uh, the guy who owned this bar um, was an Irish gentleman and. You know, of course, I love to talk to him because, you know, could talk about, uh, you know, just English things or sure, Irish sure, things yeah. or American things. Germans or whatever. are weird, man. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> I love them. But they are. They're very odd. But uh, so, you know, I had a had a lot of uh, conversations with him. And in the spring, he was like, hey, you know, I need I need someone for, you know, a couple like a month or two, yeah, yeah. you know, just off and on, like nothing, nothing full time. But um, I know that legally you can't work so you know irs or state department oh please don't, that's you know, right yeah but, you know but uh i can bring you in and you know we can just i can just give Figure you, it you know, out. pocket money and stuff and all i was doing was pouring beers and uh uh you know shots and jack daniels and stuff the most complicated thing we would do we had dr pepper uh pints strongbow really? cider and amaretto Got That's, one and one of each and, and dropped into it. Not no flaming or anything, shit. but that was the thing. And I thought it was the coolest thing for, for the longest Strongbow's time. Strongbow's huge there, right? Yeah, it is. In, well, in North and Africa it, and Brits, of yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. I no. mean, you could buy it in, you could go to the grocery store and buy it in like a two a two liter like uh, like pop. A two, two liter? Bottle. Yeah, Are plastic, you me? plastic thing, like the whole, it with the whole shebang. It was, it I'm was I'm in great. the wrong city. Oh man, obviously. it was so much fun. So yeah, um, we would do that. And I, you know, I started bartending and, and learned lots of, awful things about the world did you like the people aspect of it did yeah you like i interact i did i love i love the conversations um you know i was whenever you're abroad um you can't help but we be one of the most interesting people in the room sure. at all By times default, yeah yeah because it's just you know especially as a younger as a younger uh oh, sure younger kid you're influenceable yeah right. like you're right. gullible right potentially well, all and, these things and then the also just the the big question is you know you're 17 years old what the hell are you doing here yeah. like you know why are you here why where are your parents what you know how long have you been here <laughs> yeah. you know and i look very german you know i'm a very yeah. i'm oh, a very sure. i'm that a very beard really yeah, helps well out. all of it yeah but um so i i got to a point where i think it actually started to annoy me so i started to um 
try and really focus on on nailing and the accent nailing becoming a fashion, native very very much so yeah. just like i didn't speak english like people could speak english to me but i would respond in german and and it was uh just kind of that building of like okay how can i do and honestly uh in a point that that has really helped me in becoming a bartender because it it's made me very aware of of body language for other people and yeah. mannerisms and and reading people and trying to guess or or kind of discern of Context what they're looking for yeah that's a really yeah. interesting point because we're kind of taking each other at at word value right like i'm just waiting to hear what you're saying because i don't even understand mm-hmm. but then when you go past that and you're like he's trembling a bit yeah this guy doesn't seem so confident yeah why yeah. that's a really interesting yeah yeah, yeah. so just kind of just kind of really listening and and I think you learn that a lot, uh, or that's that's a skill that whether or not you you can really develop it or you you have the the time to develop it. But mm. when you move to a country where you don't speak the primary language, um, you have to find as many ways to communicate as possible, but yeah. also to pick up on what other people are saying. Um, and you you know you you start to grab that, and you can see it from across the room. It's not always right there in front of your face, right. and, you know. Um, we benefit as bartenders and that, you know, we can pretty much hear every single conversation that's happening at the bar. It's, sure. it's, that's my big thing to anyone who's having a conversation because I'll always butt in. I'm sorry, you're having it at the bar. Yeah. You're having it in a public and you're having it in a place. Don't ever have a, a personal conversation. If you expect it to be that uh, way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, ever, don't ever do it because you're going to have at least the bartender, if not the bar back, if not the other bartender, right. if not the person <laughs> next to you on either side kind of hearing it and... And, you know, it, it allows, that's a, that's a tool that I've found that's really benefited me because it, it uh, allows me to manage my space and my bar a little bit better. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So a good stint being a bar back bartender in Germany, you stood out there for a year in high school? Yeah. And then yeah. they make you come back, I Yeah, guess? I had to come back. I had to come back, um, finished off my, my senior year. Was it jarring? Like yeah. coming back and oh, it's a different man, kind of it. people, different. I hate, I hated every moment of it. Um. Yeah, uh, there's some. There was some adventures that uh, that happened when I got back. Definitely a, a little bit of rebelliousness, sure. uh, you know. And bless my parents, they they handled me as best they could. Yeah. But you know, what are you gonna do when your son leaves at at 17, um, comes back when he's 18? Oh man! Um, and had just been abroad for a year, completely free. Yeah, I mean, Ultimately, I was living. Right? I was I, living with a family, but yeah, my family, but my, they let me. I mean, you know, you become an adult. Or, you know, teenagers in, in Europe, you know, are given certain leniencies that, right. that Americans were never. Oh, yeah. You know, I could go, I could get on a train to Frankfurt um, and it was no questions asked, you know, just just go. So, um, but, you know, what are you going to do in that kind of situation? Especially, you know, I, you know, I had a, a senior driver's license so I could be out later, right. you know, I could buy cigarettes if I wanted. Um, Actually, you're the one that has to be understanding. Yeah. You have to be the one that's kind of the bigger man in the thing because try to yeah try to try to at least yeah I won't say that I was uh, I will not I will not make that claim um, but it got into some trouble I think we could all kind of definitely we're reading between the lines here Lucas some yeah definitely got into some trouble definitely I mean you know kind of kind of came back and had to struggle with who I what my identity was after after being away and did it feel clear like being in a place where you're having to learn how to survive in a sense now there's some basic things taken care of but you got to learn how to just communicate with yeah. people like, well i think it made college a whole lot easier okay that i makes think sense. It, i yeah. think it made i think it made those first couple years of college just really just a breeze as far as 
you know i wasn't homesick right um i wasn't i wasn't i knew how to i knew how to you know make decisions for myself sure. and kind of fall through knew who you were even well att att or at trying, least at yeah. least knew at least knew what some of my basic limits were and yeah. what i felt comfortable with and what i didn't feel comfortable with and um you know i had definitely learned uh the the benefit that it is to walk into a room and Nice. pretend like you're supposed to be there with yeah. that you know yeah. just walking the right swagger in. In a sense. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely because you're you know hey i have no idea and when i was in europe i honestly i had no idea i yeah. you know before i was really you know i had the language down pat i don't know what that sign says that sign could say restricted area <laughs> don't enter you will be shot you but, made it into so many concerts yeah. like <laughs> just walking in yeah so you know you just, you just get real confident about it and you just you just kind of walk in but uh yeah, no, it was it was a it was a really amazing kind of transition for me. But what that year abroad, outside of just you know growing up and everything, it taught me it taught me a love for um, the nuances in food and wine yeah. and, and and beverage. And it was you know the first time I had ever had uh, whiskey. It was the first time I really had a chance to explore beer. Um, you know, first time I had been to a vineyard and right. and gone to cheese shops and bread shops and. You know, just all of these really just amazing food and drink that were yeah, absolutely like, yeah. yeah. And I had I had a, a host family that I was staying with that um, that really enjoyed some of those things. Not to not to the point where it was you know truly opulent, but you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, but it was their you know normal well, no, kind I mean, of a thing. Like, it, for us, we're so conservative sometimes, yeah. not politically, but just in terms of drinking. Sure, yeah. You know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Europeans. They ha they imbibe and they continue to imbibe. Yeah, and it is part of the reason that their culture keeps promulgating forward. It's why they're great cultures. That's why yeah. you go to France. That's well, you go you to know, the argument has always been that you know the the birthplace of civilization exactly. was was exactly. when alcohol was started to to be you certainly know, yeah. And that that I totally I understand that you know well, this for, is the birthplace of excitement for sure. And some Definitely things that are a little sure. more adventurous. Yeah. yeah. So you enjoyed the college experience though, because you're kind of yeah. set off to do your own thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I loved I loved uh, college. I was at I was at the University of Pittsburgh um, from 2008 to 2012, and you know it, that was a great time for me. It was um, it was great to be in a more uh, urban setting, yeah. uh, for sure. You know, Pittsburgh isn't a massive city by any by any um, stretch of it, um, but it's not a small place um and it, it's really been it's really been on this amazing growth pattern and i got to be right there in the middle yeah. of it on the food and beverage kind of scene what brought what was the step that brought you because obviously you're fighting there's this duality yeah. i would consider it a duality right where you know you have a passion for food and drink you've already had some experience with it in germany but also at the same time you're trying to pursue this economics degree the hard and fast lane into corporate success where when does that ultimately break down and you make the choice from one over the other uh you know i it was actually it wasn't until a couple of years after after you know college it was uh 2014 so i'd been working as a rep for about two years or so and uh i was at that really great time of like okay all right so um what's my next move i've done, been doing this for two years right. you know i'm at a place where i can start to interview for promotions mm -hmm. and i can be taken seriously and you know, I was I was working I was running downtown Pittsburgh for um, for Jameson for Absolute for uh, Glenlivet Malibu um, Don Q oh, wow. Sydney Frank so Jägermeister yeah. Patron you know so I had some really big brands and it sure. let me kind of hit a lot of different a lot of different accounts and and kind of show what I was doing and I had really great reviews uh, from my bosses and and kind of that work history and I was like okay cool 
so what am I going to do? What's, what's next? What's next? And, you know, uh, I had my immediate boss was, was just a really great, um, really big boss in the way of just kind of saying, all right, well, this is what can be next on this side. Right, this right. is kind of what, you know, looking at and sitting me down and saying, okay, you know, you're really, you really love to talk about, you know, why this scotch is different from this scotch sure. and why, you know, this rum from this island is, is completely different from this one and how. It's the historical element. Yeah, of no, it, right? for sure. I like, I love the storytelling of it. Um, Did that work for them? Oh, for, for Southern? Yeah. 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 Well, it did because it, it was really right when craft was starting to really show up in force yeah. in in Pittsburgh. And I think it was part of the reason why they hired me because I had been bartending and I had been doing a lot of things um, before uh, while I was in college. I, I had a chance to to get a, to be a part of a couple of really cool programs. Um, Phil Ward uh, from Death & Co. Mm. came into Pittsburgh and uh, helped open up. Um, a pretty aggressive cocktail bar at, at the time. Um, it didn't end up lasting just because of kind of what the owners were looking for and kind of what uh, what the the scene in the area could sustain. But you know, I had two and a half months of every single day, pretty much. With you know, in 2012, you know, Phil Ward Mayuel had just opened up. Like they had, you know, this was you know a couple years right after Death yeah. and Co had been named best bar in the world, and you know all of these crazy things. Perfect time, like, yeah, to tap yeah. into all that information, right? Yeah, and I was really at that point. I was, you know, I had I had been a beer guy up until that point, just because it's what I knew best. Right. Um, I had been a wine person. I'd I'd managed uh, managed a wine bar program when I was twenty one, actually. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, people gave me some some responsibility. You're the and, golden boy, aren't you? Oh man, there were a lot of there were a lot of times I should not have been given responsibility. But I, you know, you you learn. You either sink or swim. Yeah. Um, and I, I I sunk a few times and I swam some others. But um, uh, you know, there was there was just this big movement and and there was all of this information that was available and people that were trying to do new and aggressive things. And uh, you know, I, I give it credit to um the people that ran. Uh, Southern now, Southern Glazers mm. for for Western Pennsylvania is that they understood that Pittsburgh was becoming this cultural center again, and and that they were that they were going to have these accounts that were not just you know pouring Yingling and Iron right, City right. and Jagermeister. Going a little deeper for sure. Yeah, yeah more yeah. nuanced. There were you know there were some really great spots that that were coming up. Um, so I you know, I appreciate uh, the fact that they thought that I was someone who could kind of jump into that, lead it. Almost, yeah, right? well. Yeah. well Definitely be a part of it. Um, you know, from from a salesman side of sh- you know side of things, that was my that was my goal. I never, I, I was I had to be pushy at sometimes, and I'm sure my bosses wished I would have been pushier at other times. But I can definitely I can definitely say that I with with no guilt whatsoever that I would take in Don Q coconut instead of Malibu, even though they were both in my <laughs> category. Man, I have to sell someone so something. Good. Like, come on, but. Um, yeah, no, it was just it was just kind of being there. So I did that for a while, and I realized, hey, I I don't want to be, a, you know, a division manager. I don't want to manage people that are in my position. I want right. to I want to teach. You know, which this, is the next step, of course. Well, it, like, it but, but it is, and this is the the conversation you know, we we're having a little earlier. That is, you know, it's it's not what it's not really. Bartenders are looking at it. It's just like okay, you 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 bartend for a long time, and you do a lot of these things, and the next step is being an educator right. it, it's not generally you know if you go to the distributing no, side of the yeah, world it's, it's right. pushing bottles and putting things into it you have to you Take, have to be on the supplier side yeah. and 
And even then, you you have to be on the right supplier at the right time and the right, you know, You're totally brands. right, yeah. Um, and it's it's something that I, you know, I, I've seen it in a lot of bartenders that have come up. I've seen it in in people that are older and younger than me who who, you know, they look at reps in a very in a very harsh way, and I understand that. You know, sometimes reps aren't the easiest to deal with, and they can be a little annoying. And there's a lot sure. of attrition in that there space, is. man. So there it's is. Like you got, oh, it's the this fucking guy yeah. who doesn't know the first thing about where right. the scotch is made. You're right. I'm not buying any from anything from this guy, and then it actually turns into it flips the dynamic completely. Yeah, it's like uh, an aversion towards reps. Yeah, which is it shouldn't be like that either, but. It, feels like in a no, lot of places that I, yeah. it turned that way. No, and I would I I totally agree. I think you have enough meetings where someone pops in without doing the homework, but you know, and unfortunately from the repping side of things, you're, you know, it's impossible to know all of the things about oh, about sure. your products. You know, we yeah, you can you can go and you can talk to some of the great bartenders in town that are going to really really know a lot of their products, but they're only going to know maybe a specific segment or they're only going to know right. Um, a few of the brands that they really, really love, and those those portfolios change all the time, and it, it's such a struggle on that rep side of thing. And it, it it's, you know, there needs there needs to be some accountability on it on sure. on it, um, but there also needs to be you know something on I think the bar manager side too. Do, do you think you being having been on that side that so now that you're back behind the bar that you can be a little more kind, a little more understanding than if you hadn't went through that yourself? Yeah, yeah. Well, I try. I mean, I definitely that was that was the goal. So I left it because I left repping um, because I had a very very good friend of mine who was a customer, but who just through meetings and chatting and just realized, you know what, I really enjoy this guy's company, and yeah. we we enjoy drinking the same things, and we we have you know a similar uh, you know love for art and culture and all these other kind of stuff. It helped that I was repping Jameson at the time, and he has a massive <laughs> irish whiskey fan um and he owned he owns a, a really amazing speakeasy style bar um in in the middle of the bar district in pittsburgh it actually it it reminds me a lot of how cowboy kind of operates yeah okay um it's very nondescript it's it's a really fun space uh it's really loud outside yeah. and then you walk inside and it's just kind of this oasis Solid. yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's run it's run much differently than than how cowboy is it's but you know it's a huge whiskey selection it's it's cocktails that are changing every two weeks um, it's a really great vintage spirit vintage beer selection you know just really trying to push bounds but you know very classically driven so right, right. Um, I was trying to figure out you know what how much longer do I want to rep who's offering what what kind of opportunities are coming through and and, you know, I was having one of these just, you know, friend to friend conversations. It was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, I just lost one of my main bartenders. And this is a small place where yeah, he yeah. had two bartenders and then himself that worked there. And that was it. Wow. He's like, so I'm down a man. So you're a man. <laughs> I know you can do this. Yeah. I know that you have a passion for this. And I know that you you're classically driven. You, you know, you've been taught these things and you love these things. What would you think about, you know, sitting down with me and coming back into the bar industry and doing this, you know, with us? Right. Um, and and it was it was one of those things where it was like, oh, man, can I give up health benefits? Can I give up money? You know, money. Yeah. Wow. And then you start thinking about it. It's like, you know what? I remember making a whole lot more money when I was a bartender <laughs> than when I was a rep. Uh, there was definitely some struggling times yeah. in that professional life. 
Um, but you know, I, I thought about it and, and kind of mold it. And if it had been, I think any other situation, if it hadn't been this, this really great friend and, um, the other bartender, uh, who was involved is someone I really look up to as, yeah. as a mentor and someone who is, who is an absolute stickler on doing things correctly. And, and, uh, really he would say he doesn't love to teach, but he does. Um, right. so it was one of those perfect storms of just like, you know what, I'm going to get, I'm going to get into this and I'm going to. I'm going to put my all into it, you know, and they, the offer was to, you know, to help teach me really how to manage an inventory and, and set up menus and work on cocktails and be a part of a group that held each other accountable to, you know, okay, this isn't perfect yet. So we're going right. to table it and we're going to, you know, go back and, and reassess and, you know, this is the beer that we Pushing have Pushing you to in. be better than you yeah, were coming in. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah, it, well, it, was, it was such a family environment. And, and it was a great way, you know, I had managed a couple places before, but, you know, I had done it by the seat of my pants for a long time. And, right. Um, learning how, how to change and, and add maybe a little bit more finesse. You know, I had, I had been a cocktail, a craft cocktail bartender before, um, but I was a much, a much more talented. This was a speed, different thing. Speed, yeah. This is like bartender. a jazz trio for sure, yeah, right? Like, yeah. And so yeah, all right. You can be Michael Anthony from Van Halen and play those quarter notes all yeah. the time. Fine, fine. But this is making you having to. You have to step up. Yeah. It's like we know you can learn. We know you're intelligent. If you don't do it, it's your own fault. Right. Yeah. Which is a great place to be. To be pressure. Pressure is, is. a positive thing. It is. It was. It, it was for sure. And um, I mean, I. I cannot, uh, I cannot speak volumes yeah. uh, to, uh, you know, loud enough about just how, how wonderful, uh, you know, being with those guys and working with those you guys. You still was. keep in touch? Oh, with yeah, those absolutely. Guys. I called, uh, I called one of them the other day. He actually, yeah, he, uh, he was like, so can I convince you to move back to Pittsburgh? Cause I'm, <laughs> I may have, I may have something and I'm like, nope can't i appreciate it but but you cannot so so that's perfect then so pittsburgh is one way you've got steelers you know a steelers country man i'm i'm a i'm a black and gold man bleed yeah. it i it, totally it, bleed it. it it's this kind of thing it's got this reputation as being kind of like a little more rustic and mm-hmm. but yet really really mm-hmm. hearty and nice and cordial everybody's really mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. why i love austin but what the hell is the logical inf- like what's that jump to making it to texas so uh, well, I feel like I feel like there's only one real good. It was a girl. Oh, it? totally, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally a girl. Which was she? She lived here. Or yeah, she wanted no, to move here. She was my she she was my girlfriend when I graduated college. No uh, kidding. Yeah, we started dating. We started dating um, the finals. Her final semester. I ended up staying one more semester after her. Um, but uh, we'd known each other since freshman year, and things had just never clicked, and. Uh, then finally, I think school was coming to an end and I was like, you know, I knew that she was single and I yeah. was newly single and I'm like, I'm going for this. This is, this is, this is going to be it. Um, and we dated for, for a couple of years and then uh, broke up after she'd moved down to, to Austin to uh, attend uh, uh, grad school at UT. Okay. Um, what, so, what field is she? Uh, social work. She works. Oh, she's on, a social okay. worker. Um, but she... Uh, you know, she moved. She moved down here, and we tried to keep the the long distance thing. And I had I'd had a bunch of long distance relationships in the past from, you know, that were much larger distances right. from from the U.S. to Germany, and uh, so it's hard. Oh man, it is yeah. so impossible. And uh, so we broke it off and and did some other things for for a little bit over a year, and then she was back in town, and we rekindled it, and it was like, you know what, let's you know, 
let's give this a try again. Yeah. Let's, you know, I'm in a place where I can maybe move. I can maybe do this. Or, you know, she was getting ready to finish school so she could maybe come back to Pittsburgh because that right. was definitely a conversation. And we did that for, for about a year. So I was flying down. I started coming to Austin in 2000, um, 2014, okay. early 2000, no, late 2013, excuse me. Um, October 2013 was the first time first time that I started coming down. Interesting. And, um, you know, so I I got to see it actually a couple of years before I, I moved here. And it's right. been amazing to see just how it's changed. Did you like then. it then? Did it have I did. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was exciting. I'm a big traveler. I, yeah. I've, traveled, I've traveled over most of Europe at this point, And I've, you know, I haven't done a whole lot on this side, but I've done a lot of the United States and yeah. coming to Austin, you know, it was very much known as a hip city at the time. Right, Music right. was was a huge thing. Everyone knew about South by Southwest, even up in in lonely old Pittsburgh. But uh, um, it was really like, yeah, this, is, cachet, this is a cool right? for sure. Yeah. yeah, well, and you know, I've lived in the North my entire life. It gets a little cold up there. I'm okay with the heat. I can move down here. Ironic, we talk on one of the coldest uh, days of the year. Cold. I'm loving it. I'm loving. It. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to Chicago here in a couple of weeks for uh, for the, just the weekend, and I hope it is zero degrees. It all will week. absolutely. Oh man, meet all of your wildest oh, dreams. Man. I'm going to pack all my scarves that have been collecting mothballs. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, she she was here, and and it was a back and forth on her moving back up to Pittsburgh and me moving down here, and it. it I think I just saw a little bit more of an opportunity down here, a, yeah. a, a, not a chance to, to reinvent myself, but a chance to um, kind of learn and grow in a different in a different way. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh's a you know it's a great city, but it's a small city, and it, it becomes very incestuous in the restaurant oh, you'll, scene. You'll see it. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, I totally see it here. here I totally enough, right? see it. Yeah, I mean here for sure. Uh, I you know you start to notice all these things, but it's you know it's it's much more further on in Pittsburgh. And, yeah. Um, it was like, okay, you know, what are my next steps as far as, as growing if I know that I don't want to be a bar manager for the rest of my life? Right, right. If, if you know, I can maybe see myself owning something, but it wasn't something that, you know, hey, I really wanted to do this. So I actually started studying for um, the LSATs. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, with the, actually the hopes of um, – doing like vice law and controlled substance law interesting yeah a lot of big lobbying here in town for that mind you yeah a lot of some um i don't know a lot but there's good money to be made in that well there is in texas and i think the the idea that i had was you know i came from pennsylvania which is a very controlled state as far as liquor goes Mm -hmm. you know the state owns everything actually the state of pennsylvania is the largest single purchaser of uh wine and spirits in the united states Mm. um they buy more than, than anyone else just because, you know, they're an entity, mm-hmm. you know. So you pick any casino or club or whatever and they're dwarfed by, you know, these few states That's that still crazy. buy all of all of all of their booze. Right. Um so, you know, I I was working as a rep in this very controlled system and just kind of seeing everything and, and looking at it in in just kind of some legal context because you have to kind of work around the system and a few things. Right. And I was like, you know, I really, I really enjoy this. And it's really interesting and and you know, there's movement in Pennsylvania for the state system going away, for it to go from a public to a private system. And I'm like, man, that happens. Liquor, there are some liquor firms, some liquor lawyer. There's two There's two big ones in Pittsburgh that handle most of Western Pennsylvania, and there's a couple in Philadelphia uh, that handle pretty much the rest of the eastern part of the state. But they do all of the business. They do all of the licensing. Right. They, do, they do any... Um, Big legal cases between establishments and states, or or unions in, in the state, or 
or liquor companies in the state that are you know that are going to be in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, there's, this is really interesting. I already have a I already have a love and, a, and an understanding from this. I could see where then you'd find the that's the lead in for it. For sure, diving into it. Yeah. Well, and then you know, how long until until the state goes um, private, and then how long after that until marijuana is legal? Oh, yeah. in three you know, years, maybe. Yeah. So, and how different is is weed law going to be from from liquor law? So you're, I feel, you're already you're, you're you can see the roadmap. You can yeah, see the market yeah, unfolding. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? This is totally going to happen. It's and the these same are the shit. people. Yeah, it you're is. Right. It's yeah. all con- tobacco. You don't drugs. like it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of money to be made That's from it. That's exactly right. And once people are okay with making the money yeah. from it, and they realize there's very little health repercussions mm-hmm. from weed specifically, mm-hmm. then it becomes a sweet pill to swallow. Yeah. Nah. So, right, so that makes sense. You're yeah. studying your LSATs. Are, so uh, in terms of that particular tendril of your career, are you still pursuing it? Have you taken mm. them? I haven't taken them yet. I, I stepped away from it for a little bit. I've been getting back up on my studies. I'd like to take them in the next six months. You know, I'm still not sure if that's the direction I'll go. I think it depends on a lot of other kind of things that will be big in my life. Right. But um, uh, that is something that I, I think I, I really just want to I want to take the LSATs and be like, all right. Okay, this is how I did, yeah, and this is how viable I think this is, and and kind of once I've had someone tell me, okay, you've put in some work to it, you know, and it'll that that'll be the discerning factor for me. Um, I love that. Like, do some work, yeah, and then have someone judge you, and then decide at that point, was I good enough? Was I good enough? <laughs> and did I ca- do I honestly care enough, right, to have done the amount of work that I have at this point? To make this, to make this an actual, you know, before I spend tens of of thousands of dollars to go to law school. Well, so then this begs the question. So there's a couple things that that are coming up on the horizon here. So you're still at Geraldine's great episode, the great cocktails, great vibe, but it feels like in a sense for you as an intelligent dude who's world travel, it may kind of be shackles for you career wise. Uh, and, and, and it's not again and not a matter of like cr- criticizing the employee that's not really what it is but is that enough for you um it's not enough for me in you know in my current role you know i'm not going to stay in my current role for right. for you know years on end but um you know i don't think anyone anyone on our team um expects that of anyone else that's on our team mm-hmm. you know that was the crazy thing about how uh, the Geraldine's team really came together was you had 10 bartenders um, that were really kind of that Jen brought in. Yeah. And um, I believe all but maybe one or two of us had managed our own programs. Before. Oh, wow. It's you know, talent pool then. Well, sure. But think about just, oh, shit, the egos. Oh, I just man. Realized. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cool. You guys all know what you're doing. Shit. You all know what you're doing. for yourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Um, and it's it's been it's been really inspiring to just kind of see how the dynamic has has kind of brought us all together. Because except for um, one bartender who who decided it just wasn't his gig yeah. uh, right after opening, um, we kept that entire bartending staff intact oh. until we hit our one year anniversary as, as our hire date, actually. Amazing. Um, the first bartender to leave left on the day that we all signed papers to, to actually come in and, and join up on the team. So, wow. you know, how often do you hear about bars, uh, you know, especially big bars that keep 
everyone. They retain everybody? For a year. Unheard of. No, it's yeah. normal. You know, been in this industry for a month. You've been in this industry for 10 years. Yeah. You know, you know, a place is going to open up. If you didn't get in the first, the first swing of things, wait a month. Right. They're going to be rehiring. You know, they're, you get another chance. Kind of go crazy. for it. That never happened for us. We brought a few people in, but it was very much a, can you hang? Do we need you? Mm. You know, kind of what's going on. So it's been great to, to learn in that kind of aspect, but you bring all of those people in and it's, okay, well, how long until certain of these people start getting poached or right, start looking right, right. for maybe different Well, yes, the building is great. That's yeah. what people look for. Yeah. Wait, you've been in your job for a year? Yeah. As a bartender? Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you, we didn't get the amazing benefits that, that Kempton offers us and, you know, and the money yeah, is what it was. Yeah, deal for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's kept a lot of us there a lot longer because anyone who's offered us anything is just like, well, cool. Can you match that? Can you match benefits? No. Okay. Sorry. I don't want to <laughs> give up my benefits. Um, but uh, it's, there's an amazing chance to learn yeah. in that kind of environment. Because there's nothing but support and there's nothing but uh, um, a chance to learn if you seek it out. Yeah. Um, there are some very big people in that company that really want to teach and to, to kind of showcase uh, you and your young talent because it ultimately it benefits, it benefits the program and, and the, uh, the hotel as a whole. That's but, greater for them. They understand the value. In that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just kind of depends on, on what that timeline is and, right. and where things are. You know, I'm very happy um, with where I am. And it's, um, it's just like, okay, you know, what are next steps and how long do I need to, to take them? And, you know, the beautiful thing is while I'm, you know, saying, okay, well, school is probably going to be a thing that I, that I look forward to in the future and, like, all right, well, I can study for that. But, you know, I can also really work on honing my craft on other things. Right. Um, I got to compete in uh, uh, Diageo World Class uh, Amazing, this yeah. past uh, this past year yeah. um, up in New York, um, which was, you know, an insane, an insane uh, experience. Anyone who has the chance to put their name into that hat for that competition, it is it is a truly inspiring and life-changing as far as bartending goes. Wow. It's, it's, Talk to a few folks about it, you know. Yeah. It it seems like kind of the creme de la creme of competitions and education. And Charles was in you were talking about Charles Jolie, he was in town just recently mm-hmm. and a lot of great people. It, it, but here's the here's the thing. So there's a couple so two things, one of which is that you picked the four roses. Small batch from 2014. Give me a little bit of your love for four roses. What's what's this there's the Hirsch's downstairs. The age <laughs> Hirsch's down. We talked about it, but so why why did you go here with the So I mean you know I walked in and and you were like well let's you know take a look here and I'm like oh you know I saw You were drawn to it. Well yeah. I saw I saw the 15 and I was like mm, but there's a bottle behind it and generally if you if you keep your collection like I keep my collection I usually put those things right next to each other. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And the new guy is usually up front um cuz I like to save the older ones. Yeah. Um but you know this is just this is very much an old friend. This is something that I have um you know, I've had I've owned a bottle before. I've I've sold a bunch of bottles. I've certainly finished a bottle or two at yeah. people's establishments when I know that they have it. Um, you know, I love Four Roses. I love uh, definitely their just how transparent they are oh, yeah. in everything. This, this is Jim Special, still in fourteen. I know, so. I know. And how excited are you about his new project that's going to be coming down the pike? Yeah. Man, oh, we'll, we'll see. I someday know. I'll get to talk to Jim Rutledge. That'll be great. <laughs> That'll be a great thing. Oh. 
I'd be jealous. I'd be very, very jealous. <laughs> no, I know. No, with uh uh you know, I've been to I've been to both of uh both of their plants, uh both their um their warehouses and then also to their, their distillery, um and just kinda going to see it and I, I have a huge amount of respect for a company that um will tell you pretty much everything about their product, their mash bill, their yeast strains. So their, many yeast strains. Yeah. Well, and it's it's the you know, I I get annoyed, um, you know, as someone who really loves whiskey and really loves to study it when people talk about uh, you know, well, we don't discuss our mash bill. That's so stupid. Like, why? I'm not gonna be able to copy it. Why are you being yeah. a dick about it? Yeah, yeah, I don't have your still, I don't have your water, I don't have your grain, I don't have your master distiller. And I'm not you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like like who cares? Like the know. only people that are really interested in it are the nerds who want to put it in some like menu or manual somewhere and compare it to other things that are at that same level. Right. It's just like let's let's give us that information and then you know, it, it brings such a cult following uh, to Four Roses. I mean, OBSK. Oh, yeah. OBSK <laughs> single barrel is is my is my bottle. Um, I have a couple of the barrel strength uh, single barrels, but OBSK, you, f- I find a bottle, I'm buying a bottle. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many I have back at home. I'm getting I'm getting one of the new batch. Yeah, absolutely. So well, at Four Roses is that way, man. It is special, and it's not. It's like the great indie band that hasn't sold out yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it just that's how Four Roses feels to me, and I can't wait to. I, the Elliott Select this year is great. Mm-hmm. I actually I got to try some in Kentucky. So good, uh, right? This summer, it's wonderful. Yeah. Excellent, excellent bottle. I gotta yeah. find one for myself. But this is a great bottle to pick. So we talk about education, okay? And I know that you're facilitating a seminar at San Antonio Cocktail Conference, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's something to the tune of mixology tips simplifying what yeah. tell me about the class a little yeah bit. well you know it, it'll be it'll be something fun I, i'm honestly i'm just starting to get my information together on it and it'll yeah. be a really it'll be something i'm really actually excited to kind of put together um brown foreman i've been doing just some just some uh you know one-on-one brand rep work for them yeah. um you know i love getting a chance to, to educate and being being that brand spokesman and and um when i came back to bartending it was it was to give me a chance to to make to use the friendships that I had yeah. inside of the brand industry to be like, hey, can I teach? Can I? Can I? You need a bartender for your event. Great, I want to be there. Right, can I? Right. Can I be that guy for you? Um, and Brown Foreman has has um, given me a chance. I've worked with him uh, for a couple months now, just here Love here locally. Those new Old Forester labels. Dude. Yeah, the, yeah, I haven't had the nineteen twenty prohibition. Somebody tell me it's great because I got to get a bottle of that. <laughs> fucker. But anyway, but that aside, so. Brown Foreman, you kind of forging this relationship. Yeah, and they that. they came, they approached me actually. They said, "Hey, we we would really like to uh, we'd really like to sponsor a a seminar. Um, we'd really like to to get something." San Antonio Cocktail uh, Conference is you know it's much more consumer driven than it sure. is really. Um, it's not about us necessarily. Not, it's not. Yeah. It's not nearly. You know, you talk about tales. You talk about uh, Portland Cocktail Week. Right. You talk about you know the bar institute. Insular. That's traffic. very insular. Yeah, yeah, very. And this one's a little bit more of like, hey, you know. Let's try and and chip away at this black magic or or secretive society yeah, that bartending yeah. is because it's re- it's really not that it's it's complex and it can be as complicated as you want it we to want, be. I think you and I want it to be accessible. Oh, I, I totally want people do. To love, oh my gosh, whiskey yeah. and talk about yeah. I mean, I, that's yeah. that's for everybody. Yeah, not, no, not for no. everybody. But if, I mean, I'm a, a huge believer. If you really like one of my drinks, 
ask and I will give you the recipe. Yeah, for sure. You can have it. I hope you make it better than I do. Yeah. I hope you find what works for it better Just than what I... enjoy it. In, yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll never be one of those people that will try and trademark a, a recipe or, or something like that. Kind of rolling my eyes if you can tell. But, but yes, that's a whole other fucking show. Yeah. I got to figure out how to talk about that. But yeah. But so you're going to do this class. You get to venture into the education piece of it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're an articulate dude. You're not afraid to talk to groups of people. Are you excited to go yeah, to I'm consumers? Very, I'm, no, I'm very excited. Well, and we're going to be doing the focus on the seminar is going to be kind of tricks of the trade um, yeah. from a bartender's perspective. And we're going to pull a lot of different things uh, out of it. Some of the things that are maybe a little bit more scientific, some of the things that are maybe a little bit uh, nerdier yeah. uh, ways of kind of focusing on stuff. Um, I'm definitely going to talk about ice um, because, you know, I've heard the argument way too many times that if you boil water and then you put it into your freezer directly after boiling it, uh -huh. that it'll freeze crystal clear and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, true. guys, yeah. guys, you don't understand. You don't understand the crystal structure of ice. <laughs> What's going on at a molecular level? Yeah, yeah. Like how everything's lighting up? Like, you know, so I, I definitely want to use that time as maybe a chance to, to kind of debunk uh, a few of those myths, but yeah. also, you know, talking about things just as simply as, um, if you're gonna make an Irish coffee, make sure that you, you know, you warm up that glass, that you put boiling water in that glass before mm. and then dump it out and then, you know, put new boiling water in because you have to you have to get the equilibrium of the glass to a certain point. How many times have you had a lukewarm Irish coffee and right. it's been like, you know, there this hot toddy isn't isn't hot enough. It's right. it's this. It's like, okay, well, these are things that you have to think about and do, and this is why we do this and we may get a little geeky. We may do some some like some quick like ISI vacuum uh, infusions, like some yeah, pressure yeah. infusions and, and stuff like that. We haven't we haven't decided uh, a ton about uh, exactly what's going to go into it, but I think the the general idea right now is really just kind of how can we as bartenders to you as consumers kind of give you tips for things that you can do at home. Right. Uh, it's not rocket science exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no. It's science. It is. It's, it's not definitely it's definitely down. science. And well, and that's why, you know, I loved um uh you know, I got to read the book Proof, which Oh yeah. I'm sure I've yeah, heard of it, yeah. yeah I've never I would definitely, it. you know, if it's it's such a great book to to kind of dive into a little bit more of the particulars and then you start being like, Okay, well, this is what fermentation actually is and this is what uh this is what um uh, you know, what actually happens in distillation right. and this is why this tastes different or you know as a whiskey lover, we talk uh, about proof and, and stuff. And, well, why is the barrel, you know, where George T. Stagg is from the top center of this warehouse, mm -hmm. why is the proof shooting all the way up to 143? Mm -hmm. You know, well, it's because it's, you know, it's extra humid up there. and Or, you know, it's extra dry up there. And depending on what's in the air is what comes out of the barrel. And, you know, it, it gives you a chance to, to talk and learn about those things. And then we're going to pull a lot of those really crazy kind of knowledge and, and just kind of condense them into this Nuggets. is why and this is ah. how we use this information in a very practical setting and this is why it's not magic yeah you know so i like it demystifying it yeah for sure making it accessible because it does not have to be so damn cryptic yeah it doesn't man yeah this is to your point earlier great civilizations strive and almost are created from the <laughs> alcohol being distilled right mm -hmm. so 
let's make it accessible for everybody because yeah. it's at the very core of it. Right. And it's something we all enjoy too. Oh, of course. And sometimes too much. I suppose. Definitely. Definitely sometimes too much. So you've got the class in January. Uh, I'll, I'll see you down there, which would be cool. Attend the class. You're doing the Geraldine, Geraldine's thing. I'm still trying to get a real sense of what V version 2.0 looks like for you. What does this next chapter look like? You know, I, I, and honestly, I, you know, I can't, I'm being cryptic because I just, I just don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think that I'm real happy where I'm at. I'm really pleased to be uh, with the team that I'm with. You know, right. it's a really great chance to learn and grow. Um, but, I, but smart guys don't stay static. Well, you, you, you know, we stay, we stay still until it no longer benefits us to, to stick around. But I'm, sure. you know, but I'm also not running yeah. to anything that isn't there to run to. That's a good point. Um, and, you know, that's the thing with Austin. There's, I've, I've been involved in conversations up to this point that I've been in Austin that I've decided it wasn't something that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't right. Um, you know, and I think that's because I've been in a couple situations in my past that I knew were right for me at the time or I knew weren't right for me at the time. So yeah. I, I've, I've gotten a chance to, to kind of discern that a little bit. Um, what, what about the, the family piece? Does that come into focus at all for you? Because you've moved here for romance, for love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sound like Wink Martindale or some shit right now. But, but I mean, is that, is that definitely shapes? Yeah. Yeah, well, it does. Now. And I think that also really is part of the, the scary part of, you know, going back into managing a bar again. You know, when you're in charge of a program, you're there way more oh, than anyone else. And yeah. you're there at night. My girlfriend, bless her heart, has stuck with me while she works a nine-to-five job. And, you know, I do not yeah. by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. So um, that is that is a part of it. And it's just like, okay, well, where do I go? And, yeah. and what's that life look like? And, um, you know, I think that at one point I'll definitely get back into the repping world. Yeah. Uh, it's a, you know, it's definitely a different beast and a different monster, but it does add much more, uh, stability, stability. Yeah. to your life. Um, sure. There are times when you have to be out late, but generally you're out, you're, you're out there in the day and you get to pick the times that you're out late. So I think when those moments come, um, you know, I'll definitely be much more interested in them than maybe some other things. Yeah. Uh, now that's not to say that if someone um, I hear about a project and, and someone talks to me about it and it's something that, you know, yeah, Do you know Can't what, walk away from this, it, yeah. this is something that would be real exciting. And, you know, you always have to, you know, weigh the risks and, and benefits and especially in Austin because there's so many places that open. Right. So you have to take everything with a slight grain of salt, just being like, does this project have longevity or is it something that's going to, you know, sound really great. And then going to really struggle and then the first reviews are going to come out and it's going to tank because right. it couldn't get off the ground and then it's hard yeah it's a concept rather than a thing that exactly some legs exactly to. yeah and, and that's the that's the worry um so it's it's all of those things combined right um i i would love to run a program again um i have a lot of joy in, in doing that i have a i love to teach bartenders just as much as i love to teach um consumers yeah um which is why the the repping world i think would be something that i yeah now i don't think i'll ever go back to working for a distributor um you know the distributor worlds have been shaking up recently it's they're kind of 
the liquor industry on on the other side of things always seems to be on like five year cycles. Yeah, dude. Where it's real big on the supplier and it shakes up where suppliers go and buy everything. Um, and then a couple years later, all the suppliers and all these liquor companies decide, okay, well, we don't like what distributor we're with or, you know, the distributors want to change portfolios around or as of recently, distributors start to buy each other or, or you know, get, you know, join it's up very, together. very, very yeah. strange. Rogenous, right. you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, and I've, I have a lot of friends that work um, in the Northeast um, with Southern, now Southern Glazers. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I have connections in that world. Do, do I want to use some of my connections from my ex-company, you know, as an ex-employee and maybe get back into bed with, with someone like that? And right. I, you know, I don't think I do. I think that that world is something that I'm really glad that I experienced, but... Uh, walk away from it yeah for sure for sure i'd love to i'd love to help something grow i'd love yeah. to be involved in in um something small um and really help it kind of get there so um you know craft distilleries are are always popping up and people are trying to do things and i um i have a lot of respect for people that do that uh i want them to do it right and i want them to do it transparently sure that's been that's been a uh a theme and i think i've if, if you've anyone who's worked with me right most of the people that have asked me about maybe one or two products that i tend to not like and i obviously would not name any names on here because of course not because maybe one day i'll have to have to ask would for you a like job. a job yeah <laughs> and you have to kind of wrangle yeah the ethics yeah. with yourself yeah a little right. bit no it happens like that yeah. and so i've got one last question for you because I still don't necessarily get, uh, I get a sense of you as a, a working guy, right? And an interest in whiskey, an interest in the industry, being a good partner, traveling for love, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't always ask people this question. You've got this bottle. So you've got the small batch limited edition 2014 Four Roses. Applause, everybody. And you're at a hotel bar anywhere in the world, living or dead. Who would you love to sit? And sip with mm. at the bar. I've you know I've had a couple I've had a couple different answers to this I think uh, through the years um, and you know just kind of mulling through things and and kind of being like who would I who 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 do I think would be a great drinking buddy and then also who do I think would just be a great conversationalist yeah. Um, <clears throat> mm. I would probably have to go, you know, honestly, I, I want to have a drink with Willie Nelson real bad. <laughs> Re real, I mean, real it makes bad. a lot of sense. Real, real bad. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, you know, but that's like a thing that can happen. I know. Well, so I'm hoping that that's maybe, within reach. I'm hoping maybe he'll, he'll, someone will, you know, stumble, stumble him onto this podcast and he'll be like, yeah, I'm a drink with that guy. Um, no, it's, you know, I. I think people that have traveled a lot, people that have done a lot of things yeah. uh, in their life and really been um, uh, just kind of been everywhere and, and seen a lot of things. And that's why I've always really looked up to to musicians and that kind of a thing yeah. because their entire life is based on how many people can hear them and how many people can they can they personally have have an effect on. And right. uh, um, yeah, that's something that I, I really, you know, look towards and, and would just really love to have uh those kind of conversations and 
honestly, I pick Willie just because I think it'd be a lot more down to earth than oh, you know man. than than a lot of other conversations we maybe one. they have. I'd have one only one question for him, and that is. How the fuck have you played that guitar with that hole in it for mm-hmm. 20 plus years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does it not man. buzz, man? man? So I was at ACL this uh, this year and, um, man, they brought Trigger onto the stage. And I was oh, just like, there's Trigger. Man. There's Trigger. Yeah. It's so awesome. Uh, yeah. No. Um, a living legend onto itself. Oh, man. What are they going to do? I mean, you you think, you know, I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in, in uh in Cleveland and and you know it's the, the Country Hall of Fame and stuff, but like, are they ever gonna be able to like pry that away from that man? I don't, I, hope, I don't know. I hope not. I hope not either. I hope honestly that that you know, God forbid, it's anytime soon. But when Willie Nelson finally finally decides that he's done with us and he's seen enough and yeah. he's he's you know he's like, all right, fine, I've done it. I'm done. I've, yeah. I've done it. I've done it all. Um, and decides to go on the road again. Uh, that uh, nice. that he he takes trigger with him and just is that that's the end of it. But uh, right off into the sunset. Yeah, man. Ugh. Man, well, it's been wonderful sipping bourbon with you. Good chat in Pittsburgh, Germany, all the like. Best of luck, and I really look forward to checking out the class at San Antonio Cocktail Conference. Lucas, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank Thanks you Mike. so much for sipping Cheers. with me. Absolutely. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think? You guys are getting excited for the San Antonio Cocktail Conference. Lucas Filak, another presenter for this year's fine conference. I think there's going to be a lot to be learned, a lot to be sipped, and it's great talking. Whiskey, Pittsburgh, lots of great things with Lucas, and I'm excited to see what he does next. We talked about it a little bit after the interview, and I think he's going to have some great, exciting news for all of us here within the next few weeks. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many of those Glenn Fit excuse you're going to buy because they keep getting better and better, or how many times you're going to listen to Wu-Tang Clan and after parties, this fine San Antonio Cocktail Conference 2017, please keep dancing.